0: We welcome you to The Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We're teaching Soteria, but we're focusing on, is that salvation really forever. Let's close the arguments. The license argument. Unconditional grace will give people license to sin. People cannot handle that kind of freedom. If you tell them that all their sins, past, present, and future has been paid, then they will just live their lives anyhow. Let me tell you something I saw. Somebody showed me recently, and it was just so stupid. So somebody posted on Facebook, and he said, so, um, how do you put it? You are eternally saved, spirit, soul, and body, and you are still going to church. Oh, some people, their six months breastfeeding was not something, something. You didn't get enough breastfeeding. Basically, your head is not working well because you are still going to church when you believe that you are Eternally saved. First of all, you don't even answer that nonsense. Because the person has equated salvation with works. With going to church. So the person is going to church. Because he or she does not believe. Or believes. That he is not yet perfected. So he needs church. Regularly. In order to be perfected and made ready for heaven. So you that believe that you are eternally saved. Spiritual and body. And you are still going to church. You are foolish. Such a person has not seen Christ. You don't even start an argument or conversation with such people. And I said, I look forward to this guy's repentance after his chastisement. Because when you stand against the gospel, my brother, it will crush you. It will pain you first. It's in God's love that he will chastise you. Because in his wrath, he will kill you. He will run you over. So I look forward. To his repentance after his chastisement. And then I felt tempted to pray, pray. I didn't pray it. I said, Father, can you just chastise him specially? Some people, until they see God on the road to Damascus. You know, they're not ready. And some of these people, that's exactly what they're going to get. You watch and see. Unconditional grace to give people license to sin. People cannot handle... I kind can of prayer. If you tell people now that all their sins are forgiven, they will just be acting anyhow. Are you the one that forgive their sins? Are you the one that forgave the sins? Is it your blood that was shed? Why are you trying to rush on the blood like it's nepa? We are generating electricity. See, so we will not give it. If you give it to them, they will finish it. They will use it anyhow. And you know why we do that? Shall I tell you why we do that? Shall I tell you why we do that? You know I teach in pictures. Because there's how generator sale and petrol sale will suffer if you have 24 hours electricity. So you now come and now want to give people 24 hour electricity. They won't buy generators again and then we'll only be buying petrol for cars. After a short while, our eyes will open to realize that there are actually electric vehicles now, not just hybrids, full on electric. And oh, hold on a second, we have 24 hour electricity so we just need to buy these things and charge them. So petrol dead you will not get 24 hours electricity you will not get it why? because somebody is not willing to lose a few million dollars are you with me? Oh, you think I'm talking about generating electricity? No, I am not. I am not. I'm still teaching you grace. Oh, you tell them that they, all their sins are forgiven. That's the end of first fruit. That's the end of tithe. That's the end of, of redemption seed. That's the end of prophet offering. That's the, the end of atonement offering. That's the end of all the things that religious leaders are using to hold you bound. The same way they are using electricity to keep us bound. So no, we will not preach to you that his grace is sufficient. You start misbehaving. You're not buy petrol again. You're not run gen again. You not need us again. And we are in this business. We are prospering, driving the cars we're driving, leaving the houses we're living, flying the jets we're flying, because we have kept away from you the electricity that is yours to have. The day you are willing to give us power, power will flow. The day you are willing to allow the church work in grace. Grace is more sufficient than sin. There can never be more sin than grace. For where sin abounds, Romans 5, grace abounds much more. The church can never run out of grace. The day you are ready to let the church go free. And this is where, this is the age we are in now. Where God is breaking the hold of religion over people. Bishops, reverence, act bishops, apostles, venerables, priests, fathers. Wherever you are that have sat upon and subjugated the grace of God. Those holes are breaking in the light of truth. Are breaking. We don't muzzle grace because we will lose our control over you. Is Jesus complaining? Did he tell you that he's not strong enough to keep you from stumbling? To keep you from falling? That he needs a prefect to help him enforce what Jesus did without recourse to a man. What Jesus did all by himself without human participation. All of a sudden Jesus has done it. But guess what? Jesus needs people to help him sustain it. Because he by himself cannot sustain what he by himself did. By himself. In himself. With himself. To himself. All of a sudden, he's, he's too weak. He needs a bishop. He needs a papa. Or he needs a fighter that is fighting for Jesus. He needs somebody on Facebook fighting for Jesus. Don't spend grace anyhow. How can he be spending grace like that? Can we continue? Say, most people that quote that scripture don't have an idea where in the Bible it is. I have no clue. Let's alone what it means. And they twist scriptures to their own detriment. Peter says they twist Paul as as, as they do the rest of the scriptures. Second so Peter three. They have no understanding of scripture. So now grace is, is an endangered. Grace is now like petrol. You must regulate it. Do you understand? Regulate how much it is okay this time around. What's what's the what's the spiritual climate like? Okay, let's peg grace at you know one liter per five days of fasting. As as we go along, we'll evaluate and see if you need more grace. Or if you can give you grace for paying less. The Lord said to me there's a level of anointing that's about to be released in this room there's 10 people, 10 people, 10 people who will give you 100,000 naira and come into a measure of grace and anointing like never before never before, 10 people, 10 people to give you 100,000, come now, come now come now, and then 9 people come or 7 people come, I'm waiting, there's 3 more, there's 3 more there's 3 more, and those 3 come and then from the 10, like, there's, the Lord said there's 2 more there's 2 more, let's make it 15, let's make it 15 and then 15 people come, and you said that anointing and grace were about to be released at a 100,000 naira seed, you know what saying, but you're hear that you can do 50,000 50,000 what the holy spirit cannot make up his mind about how much he wants to charge for this anointing i thought you said there were 10 people to bring 100,000 and collect a particular blessing you have 10 or 6 or 7 holy spirit it's not the budget you were not hitting the budget yes and then i hear also 50,000 yeah 50,000 so why should i have come out for 100,000 for the anointing when i could have waited until whatever you have no because eventually gets down to whatever you have And you don't understand that you are being scammed. You don't understand that you are being sold what Christ already paid for. And I shouldn't say it. So if you have been in church long enough, you just know when to wait until it gets to whatever you have. Last, last. It's the same blessing. If it's a blessing. Then we now understood that, ah, church people are growing up. We now stepped up our game. If you are giving, those people who are giving 100,000, come up, come up. Come up onto this holy altar. Come up, come up. But if we tell you that the price is paid, we lose our authority over you. And we don't want to be your friend. We are too afraid of you. Pastors are afraid of church members. They are afraid that if you see them for who they really are, you might not respect them again. So that inferiority complex and fear makes them surround themselves with offices and bodyguards and, and armor bearers. It's inferiority complex. is fear. My name is Pav, I'm a pastor. I'm a reverend. I shit. I piss. I eat. I mess. I fart. I sleep. I wake. And the anointing is no less. And if you don't like me for that, that's your business. If you have a problem with me for how I dress, for how I talk, for how I behave, and how I say, "Hey, dude, are you all right? What's done? You all right? What's up?" You are looking for an idol, and God forbid that I become the idol you are looking for. God forbid that because of wanting to be respected or revered, I now elevate myself. So that you are afraid of me. So you don't see me for who I am. No, no, Don't teach them grace so they will misbehave. They misbehaved before grace came. Don't blame misbehavior on grace. Why did Jesus come to save? It's not from sin. Before grace came, there was sin. In fact, grace came because of the amplification of sin. Grace didn't come to amplify it. It came because sin became exceedingly sinful. And they, will, they will be misbehaved. So because you will misbehave, we shouldn't tell you what is yours. That's why you go and ask what is your score. And the, the exam officer does not want to tell you. He wants you to pay something first. Because the moment you know you passed, he doesn't have you anymore. So what do you have for us? Sir, so I came to check my results. I say, well, leave that thing. What did you bring for us? You will just be here. We don't know. Has always been seen. Blame it on grace. Yeah. So because we, we, We know that if you hear the truth, the truth will not set you free. The truth makes. In other words, the you, the freedom you come into is a freedom that was made. It's not set as though you were in freedom before. Then you lost truth and then you are now being returned to freedom. No, you are being made free. The freedom that you are coming into is a freedom that was tailor made for you it never existed before it has no reference points to whatever freedom you might have deluded yourself to think you had before light came the truth does not set you free it makes you free but no, no 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 let's not tell them that because they will misbehave they misbehave we have lost control it will shock you what god can do in the nations of the earth if these men of god hands off the people of god i'm learning that myself every day Every day I sit and my heart bleeds and I, and I cry and, and you go somewhere you ought not to have gone. You do something and I would have loved for you to tell me that you did. And, 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 and I still love you regardless because I'm not your prefect. I'm just your guardian. And I wish you would have the spiritual common sense to understand the way that spiritual accountability works. But you don't yet. Hopefully you will get there. So I would rather that things were done differently. I would rather that my people took responsibility. It's not happening yet, but I will not stop teaching you the truth. Because the only thing that can make you conform is that your eyes, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Not that your mind be manipulated. That's the only thing that can bring truth. Anything outside of that is establishing religion. But we tell you you have freedom, so you now misbehave. So let's not tell you you have freedom. Let's continue to tell you that Jesus paid for some. But there's other sum that you must also pay by what you do or don't do. And, and because you're not sure exactly what that sum is, you have no choice but to now be subject to a papa or a prophet or a pastor who, you, who has made you believe he is the answer to that sum that Christ did not do, that you need to do in order to get done also. And so you're on a wild goose chase ember month da 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 december god of last minute miracle 31st there's still 12 hours into the next year that god can still do what you're expecting him to do pray 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 as soon as midnight hits we forget what god was doing we're not telling you what god is saying for this new year forget what happened that we made you pray about you know we declare we declare this is your year of breakthrough this is your year of breakthrough and then you start the year 21 days fast because, because you are looking to to do something, to make up this something, but you you don't really know what the something is you're trying to make up and and the person you're following does not know because there's nothing. He's making it up as he goes. Making the grace of God of no effect. As soon as you finish 21 days fast, you then come to first end of first quarter Thanksgiving. Second quarter, the Lord is saying, this month the Lord is saying, and you are chasing shadows. So every month, God is changing what he wants you to focus on. Every month. God is changing what he wants you to see every month. God is changing what he wants to say every year. God is giving you and you never attain. You write three things on your list. One happens, you are grateful. God did one, he didn't do two. But I'm thankful for the one that he did. You we're chasing shadows and playing religion. Because somebody has told you, you need to do something. What do you need to do? You are not quite sure. Bring this offering you bring. You pray that prayer, you pray it. Come for this program, you come for this program. This is the banner this program is coming down the billboard the banner for the next one is going up on the same billboard We're chasing shadows because as we keep you distracted from what you should be seeing is the measure to which we have control over you and that control i never want to have but teach people light long enough one day they will wake up in it teach them grace long enough one day they wake up and understand that that grace that appeared to all men teaches them. The grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching them. What does grace do? Teaches. Teaching them. Filling the blanks. To flee all iniquity. But it's grace, and that grace has a primary assignment teaching. So if it's grace, it is teaching. It's teaching. It's teaching that will do this. This work is not prayer, it's not deliverance, it's not fasting. This work, this work of grace, is teaching that will do it. These things are right to you, almost excellent Theophilus, of the things which Christ began both to do and to teach. It's teaching that does it. Anybody can cast out demons. I wrote here: it is manipulative to keep away the truth simply because we think people cannot handle it. It is manipulative to keep away the truth simply because we think people cannot handle it. We say the truth regardless. We teach the truth regardless. We are not the saviors of the world. Jesus is. He's the one who is able to keep and not us. <laughs> He's the one who is able to preserve and not us. And I wrote here, the, the gospel published and received Cannot be responsible for ungodly behavior. The gospel published and received. Cannot be responsible for ungodly behavior. The gospel establishes the believer, right? I'll end this point. From the very beginning, Jesus made clear. That the product of faith. The product of believing. Is eternal life. Not temporal life. Not you believe and then. You got to do something else. The product of believing is, is what kind of life? So what quality of life did God give you? Let's see John chapter 3 from verse 1. You know how we quote all those scriptures? Faith without works is dead. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. Oh, you, know, you know the writers of all those books, right? Good. Now bear that in mind as we look at this. John chapter 3, you will learn something. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler. Of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. And said to him. Rabbi. Teacher. We know that you are a teacher. Come from God. He didn't acknowledge that he was God He said we know that you are a teacher. Come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do. Can you see this? Unless God is with. Jesus was coming. They told us he's coming God with us. Nicodemus was saying, no, this Jesus, this teacher, God is with him. That's why he's doing what he's doing. Not God is him. Unless God is with him, let's, let's continue. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, King James says what? Verily, verily. I say to you, unless one is born again, this is the first and only time that Jesus mentions the phrase born again. First and only time. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hmm. Keep going. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Because he understands the concept of being born. Yeah? yeah? You know, fertilization, conception, you know, you know, gestation and, you know, delivery. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a man has understanding of conception yeah. and birth. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born, to be born again means to be born of water and the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Don't forget that Nicodemus only asked one question. Yes. What can I do to enter eternal life? Eh? To receive, Jesus said be born again. He said, how can I be born again? Right? Jesus now started talking. He didn't keep quiet. This is the end of Nicodemus' new narrative. Not Nicodemus says nothing again. As soon as Jesus entered, straight, no break. Cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Jesus is telling Nicodemus. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Keep going. Do not marvel that I say to you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Keep going. The wind, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, blows wherever it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born again, who is born of the spirit. Keep going. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can this... Things be, Jesus continues, are you the teacher of Israel? Really? You are a teacher of the Jews? I don't know these things. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our Godhead witness. If I have told you earthly things, Nicodemus, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? no one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven that's what jesus said so somebody comes and tells you they saw a vision they went to heaven this is what they saw they saw this pastor in hell they saw that one in hell they didn't see any pastor in heaven they didn't see any dead relative in heaven have you noticed nobody has come back to tell us who they saw in heaven they always come back to tell us who they saw in hell and their versions of hell are always different. NIV version, NLT version, message version. Some people say the cells in hell are arranged up, down, up, down, up, down. They, saw, they say they saw many, many stories. Others say that they are arranged like prison. They are here, like there, like there, like, like everywhere. It just never corresponds. You saw demons flogging people when hell is a place reserved for the punishment of demons. Demons are not prison wardens in hell. Hell was designed for them, never designed for any human being. The place reserved for Satan and his demons. To punish them for a time is not eternal. Hell is not everlasting. Everlasting torment. Well, how is it everlasting? When you see it in Revelation 20, that hell and death were thrown into the lake of fire. And then the lake of fire passes away with the old heaven and the old earth. And in chapter 21, a brand new heaven and a brand new earth and a brand new Jerusalem coming from the sky from God. No one has ascended to heaven. Oh. Who said it? The builder of the heaven. Oh. The resident of the heaven. Oh. He said, don't be, don't be scammed. Though. Nobody has come here. Can you see how much in advance he warned you? How much in advance? Nobody, nobody, don't let them deceive you. Nobody has come here. He said, but I, I saw Abraham in the bosom of... Uh, allegory is not a real story. It's a parable, allegory. It's a type. If you're in the bosom of Abraham, you cannot be in the bosom of the father. Because we, we have many problems with that story. The paradise Abraham was, was not up such that the rich man would have had to look up. He said he was here. And there's a chasm between us and you. Nobody crosses from there to here. Nobody crosses from here to there. It's allegory. If it's heaven and hell, then we have a problem of up and down. Not a problem of here and there. And we're not called to Abraham's bosom. Abraham is the father of faith because he was the one through whom the promise was given. Do you understand? And even that Abraham still needed my faith to complete him. So Abraham is no better than me. Abraham's bosom is too small for me. Jesus died for me. After Abraham, I'm sorry, sir. Abraham's bosom cannot contain me. Yes, it's an allegory. They, typed, they understood Abraham as their father, so he used it. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Who is Jesus speaking to? Nicodemus. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what kind of life please stay with me who is jesus speaking to 16 who did jesus tell the scripture to for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life in case you didn't understand what eternal life meant in the previous verse for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he who believes in him is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not what why is he condemned he has not what believed in the name of the only begotten son of god and this is the condemnation that condemnation that the unbeliever comes into. Let me explain to you Nicodemus what that condemnation is. That the light has come into the world. John 1. That light shines in darkness. Yeah. Darkness comprehends it not. That light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. That's the condemnation. Go on verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. And does not come to the light. Lest his deeds shall be Exposed, but he who does the truth comes into the light that his deeds might be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Next verse, where's Nicodemus's response after these things? After this saying, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized, even though not him baptized, but his disciples baptizing in his name. That's another story for another day. But look at how the conversation ends. Jesus preached the entire gospel to Nicodemus. Yeah. Who did Jesus tell as this Moses lifted up the serpent? He came to his own, His only received This is condemnation, Nicodemus. He who believes is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already. For this purpose, God sent his son. He loved the world. Who did Jesus preach all of that to? Nicodemus. And all you need to do is do what? Believe. Who, who did Jesus tell? Nicodemus. Okay, so now we need to balance the gospel of grace. Because you cannot say you are saved by grace through faith apart from works. Man has to do something. James wrote about it. John wrote about it. Even Paul wrote about it. Excuse me, sir. Nicodemus came to Jesus to ask him what to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus gave Nicodemus the answer. And Jesus did not tell Nicodemus, this answer I gave you, wait until James will write his letter. Because this thing I told you now is not complete. I've told you that you should believe. You have eternal life. I've told you if you don't believe, you don't have eternal life. But James is coming to write more. So you have to wait for James to come and write so you can understand the fullness of what I'm saying. You have to wait for John. If that's the case, then Jesus did not preach the gospel to Nicodemus. At the time Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, all they had was the law, sir. They had no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they had no letters of the epistles, they had no James, they had no John, they had no Peter, they had no Jude, they had no Philom, they had none of those. They just had the Old Testament. So, what Jesus was introducing was a radically different approach to the Father for which there was no reference point. And Jesus took his time to preach this gospel to Nicodemus, start to finish, and did not include works. If works are necessary for salvation, Nicodemus did not hear the gospel. That will make Jesus very sloppy, it made Jesus a terrible evangelist. To preach a, an unbalanced gospel to Nicodemus. What did Nicodemus walk away from that conversation with? Believe and receive eternal life. Do not believe and be condemned. The concept of works did not even so much as arise in that narrative. The concept of what you must do did not arise beyond just being born again. Being born anew. That was all the gospel Nicodemus heard. And it was enough for him. There's no other record of Jesus speaking about being born again. For you to say, well, he didn't finish it with Nicodemus. So he finished it with Philip. Okay, he didn't finish it with Philip. He finished it with Zacchaeus. No. Zacchaeus was there hiding and wanting to, feeling inadequate. And Jesus said to him, hey, shorty, come down today. So Teria has come to your house. What did Zacchaeus do? He didn't even repent. Oh, it gets worse. A man is paralyzed. They hear that Jesus is in somebody's house. Some other people say Peter's mother-in-law's house. And his four friends heard Jesus was there. And they came upon the roof because the place was blocked. And they burst the roof open and dropped the guy right there in front of Jesus. And Jesus looked at a man who had not confessed his sins. A man who has not noticed anything. A man who has not said, save me. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins have been forgiven. What did the man do, please? Stretch forth your hands and receive. Zero believe and say in your heart zero have a heart of expectation zero stand up and come exercise your faith zero repeat these words after me zero you must feel conviction in your heart and you must feel like you need a savior zero because at the point you're doing all of that it is flesh and he just says your sins have been forgiven and jesus said it like it was not a big deal and he said ah who is he that has power to forgive sins? And he says, what is wrong with you? Is it because I didn't say get up and carry your mat and walk? But I just saw that the Lord may be glorified. Oh yeah, because your sins have been forgiven. Now walk. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. As far as Jesus was concerned, the moment he said your sins are forgiven, you are healed. Yeah. It was just a matter of, if the guy just didn't have illumination. Yes, sir. The moment Jesus said your sins are forgiven, the guy should have just got up and started walking. Because yes. the problem was sin So, which one is easier for you? Okay, just so that it is on record. Rise up, take your bed, and walk. Where did the man confess his sin? Where did he express a desire to be saved? Where did he show brokenness? Oh Father, have mercy on me. You are Jesus, Son of God. He had no clue. What did you do? how did you do it? Which household wickedness? Is there an altar in your father's house? Where are you from? Where's your mother from? Did your mother and father get have, were they married before they gave birth to you? How were you born? You know, your sins are forgiven. The good news changes everything. So if works were important, if human participation was necessary, then Nicodemus did not hear the gospel. And that Jesus that preached it to him was a fake. But you cannot be using one side of your mouth. Quote For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The next verse, dark telling the same person, All Nicodemus walked away with was, I believe. And the next we hear of him is that he said, He's being counted among the disciples of Jesus, no confession, no deliverance. No altar call. No sinner's prayer. No righteous prayer. He just, Jesus said, believe. So it's, it's, except we're implying that there are some things that Jesus did not tell Nicodemus, so he did not know the full requirements for eternal life until all the New Testament was written. If I'm implying that, then man, we have an argument. But on the contrary, we must then accept the evidence starkly before us That all a person needs to do to inherit eternal life is to believe. And that believing results in eternal life. Not temporary life that can be forfeited or lost. We cannot keep away the good news for fear that we will empower people to sin. Anyone who continues in the habitual sin nature did not need the license of grace in the first place. He's still stuck in the old nature. First John three nine. First John chapter three and verse nine. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Cannot sin. Been born of God. First John five eighteen. We know that whoever is born of God. Does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. In any case, in any case, sin is not the message. Christ is the message. Amplify Christ, sin disappears. Amplify sin, men cannot see Christ. We amplify sin so men cannot see Christ and they can see men in place of Christ. But we amplify Christ. We put Christ on display. And one day you will wake up. You will look for sin in your life. You will not find it. But maybe you wake up tomorrow and you lie a little more. Or not. Who is to say? But the measure that you keep your eyes on Christ. Is the measure to which sin becomes a distant dot in the horizon. One day you are actively looking for wrongdoing. You can't find it, not in the day of the Lord here, here here, here here, here and now. You're looking for those members. You look for the members, you call a membership meeting, and nobody shows up. And you look at yourself and you say, "It's maybe this." And that day you're walking in the light of the day of the Lord, because you keep your eyes. Fixed on Christ. Looking into Jesus. The author and the perfecter of my faith. I cannot perfect my faith. Are you not tired of looking at yourself all these years? Are you not tired of all the new resolutions you prayed? All the vows and covenants you made with God? And you broke every single one of them successfully. Nothing stopped you. Nothing stopped you. No one stopped you. You prayed and fasted, you still broke them. You went to the mountain for three days, you still broke. Them. You said, I'm not, if every time I have a mobile phone, the devil will move me to do some kind of chat, 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 You stayed off mobile phones. The day you got mobile phone, the next day, you broke it. Who knows what I'm talking about? Don't look at me like that. You still broke it. Yeah, mobile phone is evil. No, 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 no. Wife is not evil. Your mind is evil. And all you need to do, thou elect of the Lord, thou holy of the Lord, thou beloved of the world. Just wash your mind. Do you hear what I said? Just wash your mind. Wake up tomorrow, wash it again. Because that mind is stubborn, your mind. Ah, wash it wash it, renew it renew it renew it and one day your entire thought because lying comes from a thought of lying stealing comes from the thought of stealing fornication comes from the thought of fornication anger comes from the thought of anger where are all those seats in your mind? if your mind is renewed guess what, all the thought is gone if all the thought is gone, all the acts are gone End of story. That's why your salvation cannot be based on your mind. It's your spirit. Then you are now renewing your mind. You are putting off and you are putting on. We'll look at the last argument next week. But is anybody feeling the joy of salvation? It's a beautiful thing. I'm saved. I'm eternally saved. Why will a sane believer, right-thinking believer, be the one to doubt the riches of what God did in Christ? It's not the unbeliever doubting for you. It's not the Muslim doubting for you. It's not the Buddhist doubting for you. It's a Christian helping you to doubt that Jesus did not save you enough. So that Christian now needs to do something for Jesus to finish the saving or for the Christian to finish the saving that Jesus did not successfully finish because in his calculations he didn't calculate some of the ones you are doing now. Better go and catch that Jesus. Bring him back from that heaven he ascended in Ephesians 4. Drag him back down say oh, hold your gifts that you gave us here, possibly, need, you need to die again. And then he dies and resurrects on the 30th day because your sins now are so thick Three days cannot justify you. No, he died for three days. You say it's not enough. It's not, it's not 30 days. The moment he rises, according to your calculation of righteousness, even that same price has now already expired. Because yes, yeah. in that 30 day period, you will now see a fresh one. That's why we keep pleading blood. Pleading blood. Pleading the blood. Over things and people and ourselves, I plead the blood. Wash me your cleansing blood. When, how many times, With which blood is he washing you? And people get very, very picky and very upset. Very emotional when you talk about the blood. As if it's their blood. You get very emotional. Because you have... You know why people are attacking you for talking about the blood? Because their cousins have talisman they have a pot they have powder they have oil they have they don't you they don't have any of that they only have this blood just one element this one tool you not come and tamper with it no they won't forgive you that's why they use the blood for everything. They drink the blood. They plead the blood. They immerse, sprinkle in the blood. They wash in the blood. They use the blood to wash. They use the blood to dedicate their house. They use the blood. to The blood that, that of their Jesus was shed for their cars. The blood of their Jesus was shed for their house. And a Christian will stupidly be justifying to you how the blood of Jesus is working to cover a fan, How the blood of Jesus is working to cover a car. The blood of Jesus walking to cover a house. And I say, that blood, I will pass over you. How many times did the Israelites put the blood on their doorpost? And they put the blood on the doorpost and the angel passed. And guess what happened the following morning? They left the houses that had the blood. And left the city that had the houses that had the blood. And left the country that had the city that had the houses that had the blood. And then crossed over and left the continent that had the country that had the city that had the house that had the blood. And in their 40-year sojourn, the blood spoke. The blood that was shed once of animals. You never hear that the angel of death came back or Deborah chased them. And that was a type and a shadow. Christ is the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His, his blood was shed once. And then they did not apply the blood of an animal more than once. It's the blood of my Lord that you should apply 26, 50 times a day. Bleed the blood. Cover the blood. Immerse the blood. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died. I need no other argument. I need no other argument. I need no the plea it is enough that Jesus died and that he died one more time one more time I need no other argument I need no other the argument and I need no uh, other plea it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for and celebrate him for that sacrifice tonight. It is enough that Jesus died once and for all, once and for all. His one death is enough to pay for an eternity of my mess. Over 10 eternities over. He was slain from the foundation of the world. With me in mind. So all of me. The entire span of my life. Is accounted for in the price that Jesus paid. The entire span of my life. Is accounted for. I live in righteousness. Because of what he did. Not to enter what he did. I walk in love. Because I know I am the elect of the Lord. I am tender hearted. Because I know I am holy. I am meek and humble. Because I know I am the beloved of the Lord. I forgive others as I myself have been forgiven. I love others as I myself have been loved. Because I am the beloved of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, Hope. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at or visit our social media platforms.